Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 311. Yeah. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective view, more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Doctor Who fans. Welcome back to another week, another episode. It's good to have you here, as always. Hope you're all keeping well and safe. You've had a cracking week, and that you've all managed to do something Doctor Who, Doctor Who. related. Related, yeah. You might not have done something related until today. This is Thursday, the 13th of May. It's an important day, as a certain Doctor has come back. <laughs> not on TV. We must no, stress that. You must stress that. Sorry, Chris. I know you listen. <laughs> We're helping you out. We're emphasizing this for you. Not on TV. Audio only. <laughs> That's never going to get old. <laughs> the Night's Doctor's back, dude. Have you downloaded your MP3 already? I, I haven't, but I shall be doing so the second we finish uh, recording. I thought I'd give it a while because um, <laughs> everybody I know, uh, like in every chat that I'm in on Facebook, are all saying the same thing. Oh, it's, it's only on three percent, and it's been downloading for an hour. Everybody's trying to download it, and I th- should imagine that any second now, where we'll hear a pop and a bang, <laughs> and that, that'll be Big Finish's server just completely exploding. Because um, yeah, Twitter as well. The whole timeline is just full of people sending screenshots of uh, of it downloading, and it's all on like four percent and you know seven percent, and it's like yeah, everybody's downloading it. But um, I'm really looking forward to it. I must admit, um, yeah, and yeah, I shall be downloading it straight away soon as soon as we've finished. Indeed, I'll probably give yeah. it a listen this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Why not, mate? Do yeah. it. Ravages. It's a, gr- 
<laughs> Ravages. There's a great trailer for it. Have you seen? Um, I assume it's just come out this morning because I hadn't seen it till today. But uh, BBC retweeted a Big Finish trailer mm-hmm. um, for the set. It's, it's really good. There's been a couple of trailers for this. They're, they're really going for it, and rightly so. I think it's, it's great that they've got Chris. But yeah, it's a really, um, really well produced, classy trailer. Like Big Finish are really knocking it out of the park, and clearly the BBC are massively behind them um which sounds obvious but i don't always remember the bbc sort of promoting big finish stuff the way that they do now like i've i mean i've been with big finish since the very very first release it's the beginning and you know i've seen a um you know massive evolution over these years but yeah the bbc love them at the minute which is great so they kind of work in partnership together don't they but i don't know if they fund these trailers or if Big Finish have just made enough money to produce them themselves now because they're obviously a lot bigger than they were. But it's a cracking trailer. It's great. Really, yeah. yeah, really nice trailer. Mm. Yeah, I think it came out this morning. Last night or this morning, yeah. There's a little or oh, half a second shot of something after the trailer finishes. So if you watch the trailer, watch till the very mm. end. Because mm. <clears throat> I kept thinking... Hang on, there's still twenty seconds left. What's what's at the end? And then you get like this. Oh, it's not even a it's not even a second long. It's just a quick blink and you'll miss it shot of a certain something, and it looks cool. Looks really cool. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna say what it is because it's a bit of a spoiler. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it isn't a, a bit of an important one, isn't it? Um, because uh, we were sort of falling over ourselves when. David Tennant decided to come back. And I remember that first story with Donna. Um, it was just, there was really cool hype, wasn't there? Remember the mm. the Doctor Who community basically was, um, uh, was just really, it was one of those places where regardless of what was going on with the TV show side of things and all that stuff, it was just really cool to have, to have a Doctor come back for Big Finish. So I'm enjoying sort of the wave of, of coolness, if you like, and the, Mm. the good vibes that are out there at the minute. So, yeah, so we will give our... I know that our writer, Jordan, is is listening to this uh, story today. So we'll have a review of it up on our website shortly. But, yeah, I'm going to give it a listen later, dude. But I already love what I hear, though, from, from Eccleston mm-hmm. on audio. It does sound cool. It does, yeah. I think people were slightly worried that he... Unusually, his voice sounded slightly different on the first trailer they released, and we couldn't quite put our finger on it, and people were a bit worried. And it seems strange, because out of all the people you'd assume that Chris's voice would be the same as it was, you know, on the TV. It's not been that long. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, can, I was going to say from the new trailer, he's sounding good. So Yes. Yeah, looking forward to that later on, mate. Indeed. Very much so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we haven't got any news to speak of this week. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we will touch on is we're aware, obviously you guys are aware of it as well, the stuff that's going on in the news at the moment with, with Noel Clark and John Barrowman. So we're not going to comment on that stuff in detail. That's uh, We're not into that stuff here. Uh, but what we will say is those of you that have booked tickets or you've planned to go and see the stage, the immersive stage show, I think it's called Time Fracture, I believe. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Just to let you know that John Barrowman's, because were, there were some shots that went out a couple of weeks ago, I think, of David Bradley and John Barrowman. They were green screening. They were doing some video stuff to be included in the show. John Barrowman stuff has been dropped from the show now. So if you're a massive Captain Jack slash John Barrowman fan, that's not going to happen now, at the moment at least, anyway, in Time mm. Fracture. So just want to give you guys a heads up. But obviously the stuff with David Bradley, we assume, is going to be 
still included and that's all going to go forward so yeah we're not going to go into details on that stuff but just a quick heads up if you're going to go and see time fracture yeah mm, which i would like to do actually i don't know a lot about time fracture but i remember when we spoke about it when it was first announced it sounded pretty cool yep. um but yeah Yes, and uh, before we get into the review stuff and we do the usual stuff around podcast following and all that jazz, uh, you guys would have seen on the tweets in the last week or so, we, we put out a notice because we're looking for a couple of people to join the team. So I know that a ton of you have replied. I've got like, I don't know, like 25 emails, whatever to go through. So thank you everyone that's replied to that tweet or sent in emails about that stuff. I will get around to it in due course. I just have to go through it and contact you guys and go through all that stuff but thank you very much and those of you that have not seen it go and check out our twitter feed there's a there's a post somewhere down there around joining the team so we're looking for another writer and then somebody to manage our social media stuff so go and check that out it'll be good but thank you so much to those of you i've not forgotten about you i'm not being rude there's just been loads that have trickled through and i'll get around to you guys and and reply and as always before we get into the review before we carry on remember to follow and listen for free to our show on whatever podcast app you get your podcasts on. Just do a search for The Big Blue Box. You'll find us on there. We'd love to have you as a follower so that you don't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. And um, if you've got a minute to leave a review and a rating, you can do that on things like Apple Podcasts or on the website Podchaser, which is a really big, popular sort of directory for podcasts. If you've got a minute to do that, if you like the show, I want to leave a review. That would be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Do a search for us or there are links on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of the shows on there as well. Plus, you can listen to all the rev- uh, listen. You can read all of the reviews and articles from our writing team on there as well. And we have a free Discord server. There's a link on the website. 30 seconds to sign up for that. Come and hang out with other Doctor Who fans. There's loads of chat happening on there today about the new Ninth Doctor story, as you'd expect from Big Finish. So loads of friendly uh, people there. Come and hang out and chat Doctor Who. And lastly... (laughs) But not leastly. (laughs) Lastly, um, there will be no show next week. I'm really busy. It's my fault. I've got a really busy week with work next week and so on. So uh, it's going to be difficult for me to record. So no 3.12 next week, but we will be back the week after. So that should be good. Fingers crossed anyway. We'll be back the week after. So uh, just want to let you guys know that. (sighs) And breathe. And breathe. That's all the updates and everything done. So dude, let's crack on with our review immediately. Yes. What have we got? So yes, uh, dig out your totem poles. It's the curse of Clyde Langer. Isn't it pretty? I think the word you're looking for is creepy. Do you know anything about curses? Native American curses. All day, every one of my friends has been turning against me. Run, we're mates. I hate you! Get out! There's something wrong with my name. It's like it's cursed. And that's what I'm going to do to you. I don't ever want to hear his name again. I don't understand. What did he do to upset you so much? He was your friend and Sarah James. But no one could give me a reason why you all turned on Clyde. Everything you ever were, everything you ever wanted to be, it just gets worn away till there's nothing left. Oh, poor Clyde. Poor Clyde. Yeah. This is harsh. Yeah, so as the name suggests, this is a uh, a Clyde 
focused episode, The Curse of Clyde Langer. And it was first broadcast. So part one went out on the 10th of October 2011. And then the following day on the 11th, part two went out. It was written by Phil Ford, directed by Ashley Way, and stars the usual Attic crew. I say usual, they've added Sky now. So played by Sinead Michael. She's part of the crew for these few episodes of series five. And the synopsis is, so on part one, it's raining fish from the skies. Sarah's investigations lead the gang to the Museum of Culture, where the ancient god uh, Hetakumtek may offer answers. Yet when Clyde touches the totem pole, his family and friends savagely turn against him and he is thrown out of their lives. And then part two, Clyde is alone and abandoned on the streets of London, living rough, cold and hungry. One person reaches out to him, but as they become friends, he's warned about the legendary night dragon. In Bannerman Road, Sky knows something's wrong. Why do Sarah Jane and Raleigh suddenly hate Clyde? Question mark. So, mate, penultimate story of Sarah oh, Jane. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> what do you reckon then? Give me your thoughts. It, I, I thought this is an absolutely cracking episode for Clyde. Um, Daniel Anthony acts his little socks off. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's a very simple idea. Um, and I was worried if it would, you know, if they'd be able to sustain that for the both parts. I thought maybe it would get a bit, you know, um, tiresome of them. Because everybody, every time someone says Clyde's name, they turn against him because of this curse. And that's that's pretty much it. Um, so it's all about everybody turning against Clyde and him then becoming homeless. And that's where the story really fills out because um, they deal with, you know, the, the subject of um, homelessness and being on the streets. And they do it in, in such a good way. It's not like, you know, it feels very natural and it's not sort of um, thrown in your face or too you know, on the nose, it's just part of the story. Um, and he just, you know, because he befriends this girl and they start to like each other. And there's a really nice couple of scenes between him and Ellie, uh, played by Lily Loveless. Um, so because you get that added into the mix and you really feel sorry for Clyde because everybody's turning against him without knowing why, apart from Sky, uh, I just found it a really good watch and it's, it's one of the more darker Sarah Jane episodes. It's definitely one of the more adult, but it, it gets the finds the fine line between being, you know, just adult enough to be still on CBBC, but not, you know, not too much. Um, it just gets that fine line between entertainment and uh, and the family show perfect. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was a really good two-parter. Um, I can see why it might be a bit perhaps it might not be one that people a go to story for some people. Cause it's definitely not the more sort of fun, jovial episodes that we sometimes get from Sarah Jane. It's a more serious episode, but yeah, I thought it was good. I really did enjoy it. And I just saw the cast were fantastic in this, this particular story. Well, they always are in Sarah Jane, but I thought that the cast are brilliant in it, especially Daniel Anthony. He was, he was superb in this episode. Really, really great acting from everybody, even the supporting cast. Um, uh, Ellie, the the homeless girl, um, played by Lily Loveless. I I don't recognise her. I don't know if she's gone on to do other stuff, but she was so natural in her performance. You know, when you get somebody new, and she has quite a sort of serious subject to sort of get across on screen. I thought the relationship between her and Clyde was fantastic. Really, really sort of um, 
good acting from both of them. So, yeah. So, before I waffle on too much, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was really, really good two-parter. Oh, nice, dude. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I think this was a really good, probably up there with one of the more, like you said, the more adult-themed um, yeah. Sarah Jane stories. But that's not a bad thing. I think every now and then it's good that the writers, um, who was it, Phil Ford, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, Phil um, Ford. I think the writers, when they, you can only do so much to appease the real, real younger audience, you know, because they have to remember that because this is linked obviously very closely to the world of Doctor Who and the, the main show and so on, there are going to be maturer audiences as well. So even though it's a CBBC show, there are um, there are those elements of maturity that we've seen. Not in every episode, because I think a lot of them, uh, as, as we've gone through the entire thing anyway, we have seen that the majority of episodes is just good old-fashioned uh alien adventure stuff which is amazing but every now and then they throw in these these more mature ones and i think this is potentially uh potentially the the most mature that we've seen all round because even though some of the other episodes had a a mature sort of undertone to them they sort of layered on the the um the the less mature stuff if you like whereas this one it's real kind of doom and gloom through most of the parts you know there isn't much happiness going on mm. in this one at all so but that's not and a that's, bad thing though no no it's gonna say it's not to say it's like an episode of eastenders so if you haven't watched <laughs> this it's not it's still really entertaining it's yeah, not yeah, um yeah, yeah. yeah not doom gloom in that sense but it's a more serious mm-hmm. um uh, theme isn't it this week yeah. yeah and i think the it really does show that the reason why it's quite doom and gloom is because we don't have clyde throwing in the funny one-liners and all the quips yeah yeah so even in the other stories where stuff's not going to plan you can rely on clyde to bring the mood up whereas because clyde is the focus and he's obviously really going through it in this one there's nobody else to um to do that stuff so you can see just how you can you know in in the past where we've not criticized too heavily but we said you know clyde does his normal throwing in the one-liners and you know the expected jokes and stuff like that really when you look back on that stuff it's really needed because otherwise most of the stories would end up like this where something's Mm. gone to pot obviously it's down to the attic crew to solve the the, save the day but because clive is the problem well no because clive has been made the problem falsely (laughs) there's there's no one else with the comic relief and you can't rely on on Luke to do that really he's a bit more straight laced isn't he yeah and Rani she has her moments but yeah it's really down to Clyde so I completely agree with you dude that also um the acting was bang on as well so Dan- really good, yeah, yeah Daniel Anthony he was this is probably the best we've seen him mm-hmm. in terms of his uh depth I would say because although the one-liners and the funny quips they're very shallow they're not really his true self. They're just like a, a some armor, if you like, um, a lot of times. But this one we really see, and it doesn't take long either. As soon as he wakes up the following morning, you know that cool scene where every time he's written his name down somewhere, it starts mm. to, to burn away almost, or, you know, not burn away, but you can see that the curse is kind of making its way through every time his name's written down or... Or, yeah, it's a really nice effect, actually. Yeah. yeah. So from that moment on, when he wakes up the following day and someone says his name or reads his name, 
it's like it's like a train that just keeps going throughout the entire story and it doesn't let up until towards the end of part two so yeah daniel anthony he had a, a cracker of a show in this one and um i also yeah so for me i think i we're on the same page i think in this one because yeah. daniel anthony and also lily loveless those two together they feel they just formed a really good team together because they've got this kind of at the beginning i like how the story goes from uh clyde just viewing ellie as he puts it as a scrounger scrounger yeah yeah so at the beginning that's just that's just how they view homeless people and that's what plays into the bigger part i guess of the story of bringing that issue to light where he just brushes her off as a nobody she's like have you got any change and you know to his credit he does give her a bit of change and it's sky that's like why did you give her money and he's you know she's just a scrounger and then that's it as soon as ellie walks away and they make their way into the museum they've both forgotten about her it's as if she was never there um and then it sort of comes around full circle where when ellie does sort of take him in i guess you know you know when it's hammering down and she comes up to him she's like you know come with me and they go to the i think it's the bridge isn't it under the bridge where they've got that little homeless almost like a little village i guess of like homeless people yeah a little community yeah community he he then starts to see actually these are not people that should be forgotten in an instant these are real people going through real struggles and i think that's what they were trying to get across you know that's the message it's like you know these people need help they don't need to be ignored as soon as you walk away which is a bigger thing you know to play into but the way that um the way that clyde opens himself up to ellie is that that's what i mean where we see the depth with Mm. with his acting in this one he can't just say after what he's seen and after what ellie's told him about her past and how she's ended up there and some of the other people, there's no way that he could just laugh that off with a one-liner and run yeah, right. and run away. So it's really cool. And then it's heartbreaking at the end where even though Clyde and Rani have kind of, they've hinted it, they've hinted in the last sort of five or six episodes, I guess, that there's something between them. Mm. They've not outrightly said yet they're a thing, but they've had this little look between them and they've had these little moments. So even though that's happened, you can see that Clyde maybe has fallen a little bit for, for Ellie because when she disappears, you know, you've never seen him so eager to find somebody. And so, mm. you know, so dude, acting wise, him and Ellie were like the, the stars of the show. I mean, it, the other acting was great as well. Don't get me wrong mm. from, from Liz Sladen and, uh, uh, and Julie and so on. But those two men, Real heartbreaking story as well. Oh, it definitely pulls on the heartstrings. I, mean, I was quite sort of uh, moved by the whole, the whole story. Really, it's not just like a certain scene or you know a particular bit that sort of made me feel sort of quite emotional. It's just by the end of it, it sort of it brings home uh, a few home truths. But uh, as I said, not in a bad way. It's not so. I didn't sort of think, God, you know, they really hammered that point home, didn't they? It was a very natural storyline. Um, and I totally bought into the relationship of, of Ellie and Clyde. And that's the thing. You've only got two episodes to, to bring them together and they're only 20, 25 minutes each. Um, but the performance from both of them, from Daniel Anthony and, um, 
Lily Loveless is is absolutely bang on. They you you really buy into the fact that over this short time they bond quite quickly and she loves his artwork and when he burns it i was almost screaming at the tv i was like no clyde don't burn your comics they're really good because he's you know he's an artist and his artwork's really cool um but then they there's other elements thrown in that that i thought just really brought the story up a couple of notches so like i said very simple storyline you got the curse You've got the homeless subject. So you, you put those two together. That's all working really well. But then they, there's a few other things thrown in. So they keep mentioning the night dragon taking people away. And you're thinking, what's this night dragon subplot? Is this a, is there an alien thing? Is it to do with the totem pole? Um, is it to do with the, you know, the, the fish falling from the sky? What's this night dragon thing all about? And then it all comes full circle. And what the night dragon is, it's just the, the truck that comes and takes selected people away to give him a second chance they say don't they so you get the heartbreak of Clyde being sort of um taken away at the exact wrong moment from Ellie because she goes off to get a coffee and Sarah Jane's like come on Clyde we know how to solve it you've got to come with us now so he has to go and he's like but she's gonna think I've just run off they're like but you've got to come now so you know at that moment that it's all going to go wrong for poor Clyde and it does. So he then tries to find Ellie. Can't find her anywhere. And I love the fact that the story just comes full circle because he's given a, a false name from a pizza box because obviously he can't tell her his name because then she'll get the you know she'll get the curse. Um, so then it turns out she's given him a fake name because he sees it on the poster or whatever. And then you see the night dragon truck, which actually is just something that actually helps homeless people. It's, you know, it's just what it's called. So I thought that was just brilliant storytelling. These things that are thrown in to sort of throw you down the wrong track, if you like, turn out to be actually good things. Um, and I just thought, yeah, it really pulled on my heartstrings. When you saw the, the night dragon truck and the guy was like, that's, that's, that's when we get a second chance is when that takes us away. You, it's actually taking him to another part of the country to try and make a better life for himself and all that sort of thing. Um, I just thought it was really, really well written. Uh, it just, as I said, pulled at the heartstrings. I thought it was really good. Um, did you think the Night Dragon truck looked a little bit like the Forbidden Planet truck? <laughs> like it was a white truck with black and red <laughs> emblem in the font of Forbidden Planet. It would tell me that's not just me. Yeah, it was quite epic. similar. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, I just love the way the whole story comes full circle. Yeah. Because uh, you yeah. know that you know that he's not going to end up with Ellie, even though you would love Clyde to catch a break, because let's face it, he goes through the ringer in this big time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Clyde. But so uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good it was a good ending, I thought. Yeah, and it was called that night dragon thing because you thought it was some kind of sinister. You either thought it was another sort of, you know, alien monster thing that was attacking homeless people mm. or you thought it was like a uh, a legitimate, not leg- you know, but like a human sort of human trafficking sort of company that was kidnapping homeless people because when they go into the the shelter to get some food and stuff, there's that crazy old homeless woman, isn't there? And she's oh, Mystic Mags. Yeah, Mystic Mags, and she's um, <laughs> you know, and it is quite creepy because she does. Uh, who's that? Angela Pleasance. Yeah, she she does kind of say to Clyde, "It's like, look, you know, it's you." you I think what it's trying to get across is she knows that something's not quite right with him. She's has got, even though she she's you know comes across as a bit nutty and stuff she does kind of pick up that something's not right with him. 
And uh, she mentions the night dragon and it's made its mark on him and all that stuff. So you do yeah. think quite early on, it's like, oh no, this night dragon thing. It's, uh, this is a bad thing. It's like bad, bad, bad. Sounds like a bad thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when you get, like you said, when you get to the end of the story, and it's a really touching little bit at the end actually where um, where Ellie's friend or, you know, whoever it is at the end, you know, says to Clyde, it's, uh, you know, don't worry. She's, you know, this is a good thing. You know, this, you know, she's, like you said, it's been given a, a second chance sort of thing. Uh, Max was the guy. Yeah. Uh, it's a really touching thing because, you know, he doesn't look in the best sort of shape either. And, mm. you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that resurfaces for you. Like the, the real struggle, you know, the real hardship, um, cause even though she doesn't look terrible, Ellie, you know, as a, as a homeless person, she doesn't look terrible. You can tell that kind of mentally, I suppose she's really going through it, which I think Clyde was, that was what he was trying to avoid. So when, like you said, when they turn up and they're like, look, we need to sort this now. You've got to come now. I think that was his main, as well as kind of falling for her a little bit. I think it mainly it was if she came back and he was, he had just vanished. That's like, oh, that's just another person that's let me down sort of thing, you know, because she yeah, told him yeah. about her history and, and we you know why she's ended up there in the first place. It's, um, yeah, he was just desperate to not make her think, oh, he was just another, just another guy or, you know, another person that's let me down sort of thing. Um, so, so, yeah, yeah. I, I love the fact they use his artwork as well, because obviously he's a really good artist, isn't he? He's been doing all these comics throughout the, the story and he draws that self that sorry he draws that paint uh, picture of her and i thought it was really nice the way he uses that to try and find her at the end you know just bringing that sort of um story thread into it that he's an artist as well i thought that was a nice touch yeah and she, he gets a little kiss though he does get a little kiss doesn't he, he get a little kiss yeah yeah it's quite <laughs> nice yeah uh there was some great acting as well from the the when the curse kind of kicks in uh there was there was two bits of acting that really gave me the chills mm. in a really believable way. The first one was Liz Sladen. I mean, she's amazing anyway. Yeah. But when she when the when the curse sort of takes hold of her that first time and she sort of shouts at him and she's got a real venomous mm. kind of look on her face and and then th- throughout the rest of the story, whenever I mentions his name, she just turns. It's really like on just immediately, but that gave me chills, dude. Because yeah. we've seen there was an episode, wasn't there? I think it was series one or two, where she played a possessed. You know, you know the the yellow horned alien dude that went inside her and possessed her. Yeah, and she played that kind of um, sort of more comic booky villain, but she was kind of scary still. That was really good, but the way that she did this one was really believable. Yeah, to to the point where I was like. Oh my God, that's it, it. I almost didn't want to watch it, you know, because I, I thought, know exactly what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Because I thought, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, like Liz Sladen's playing this so well. She's actually really horrible. She really goes for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the other one was Clyde's mum. Uh, yes. She did that really, like the, the, the acting in this one, like Ashley Way, the director, he must have given them all Weetabix in the morning. I was going to say, now, no offense to um, Jocelyn. G. Eason, is that how you say her name? Yeah, he plays so. Clyde's mum. 
Now, no offense to her, I've seen her in lots of things. She does like her, she used to do her own sketch show, and she's more known for comedy. And I have seen her in sort of more straight roles where I wouldn't say her acting's been the best, but she's absolutely brilliant at this. So I hats off to her. Like you said, all the director or whoever got these brilliant performances from the cast because. Uh, and this is no sort of dig at Jocelyn because I really like her comedy stuff, but I was just surprised how straight she plays it and how serious she she takes the role in this one. Again, because no offense, but you think an a, an actress like that, she's coming into a sort of a in brackets children's TV show. She's known for comedy, so you'd think she would probably just ham it up a bit, and you know. But I, I was just surprised how, or, you know, um, seriously she's playing that part and how well she does it you know because yeah. again you really feel sorry for Clyde he's really getting it from every angle in this everybody he knows or loves turns against him the second they hear his name and you wonder how he's going to get out of it don't you You're thinking well how is how is I think that's the good thing there's a good sort of threat level of this how is he gonna how is this going to get resolved sort of thing mm-hmm. um, and I also love the resolution for this again it's so simple it's such a simple idea that the people who have said his name and therefore spread the curse, what they've got to do, actually, sorry, they hear the name, don't they? they? Don't say it. They hear the name to spread the curse. All they've got to do to break it is actually say his name repeatedly. They've actually got to say his name. Such a simple idea. And it works brilliantly. I think same with Clyde touching the totem pole, you know, it's just, it's all based around his name. Um, and it, it just works really, really well. I thought, yeah, no, it's a good build-up as well. When Sky is basically saying, "Look, this is ridiculous. Like you guys love him, sort of thing," and the curse is really stopping them from seeing, which is even I think that adds even more to the threat because in previous stories, there's always been that um, sort of ongoing thing where, regardless of what's happening, they're kind of the the bond between Sarah Jane and the rest of the attic crew has always been that one thing that's kept them. Um, obviously kept them together but has overcome you know any aliens that have tried to sort of make drama or beef between them or you know try to turn them against one another anything like that they've always relied on that bond to sort of get Mm. them through and because they can't say his name and they can't get to that point they can't see it they they literally they it's blocked out of their mind isn't it just how much they they love him and all that stuff so when sky is really doing it and even mr smith a few times he's like i must admit sarah jane your brainwaves are yeah, you know, yeah whatever when you mention his name but now it's fine so he can he knows that something's up as well but because he has to follow orders he can't you know sarah jane just like oh shut up so he can't he can't do anything either so that all adds to the like you were saying how is he going to get out of this one how is he going to do it so fair play to little sky she uh she bullies well, I- them into saying the name which is which is like you said simple but it works. Why, why is Sky not affected? Is it because she's not human? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because yeah, I mean that's what I assume. But then, correct me if I'm wrong. There's a scene where Clyde phones Luke, and Luke's affected. So I was thinking because as soon as he says that Luke doesn't want to talk to him, does he? Did I? Am I think? Am I remembering that right? Well, I think there's a scene where he's in the park. Yeah, but I think Luke Luke was made as a human, right? Yeah. So, uh, whereas Sky is an alien from another world completely. So, although Luke's not hundred percent, although he's not human, 
he was made to be human it's right? based on a human form yeah okay yeah i suppose so yeah it yeah. does work i mean it still works you know you get because it's not sort of explicitly spelled out why sky isn't mm. affected it's just kind of left up to you to to make that assumption it's because she's you know different if you like yeah. but i like yeah. that because that brings that gives sky something to do because she's a new character and um you know it's starting to get a sort of crowded attic again because you've added in this character so you've got to give them something to do and i thought that was a really nice way of of um you know utilizing sky as a character and making her quite likable and, and bringing her into the story more um you know so we get to sort of know a bit more about her and I, i'm you know i think she's a good little character sky mm. the, i think the downside of that is um you know a bit like the sort of crowded tardis syndrome i think rani probably suffers the most in this story because she doesn't really get much to do at all in this one sadly and i think that's just again down to the fact you've got quite a lot of characters to write for so although i think sky's really well utilized i think perhaps you know, uh, Rani. <laughs> Did I say the Rani just now? Probably. Sometimes uh, you do. Yeah. <laughs> I say it about realizing. <laughs> I think Rani uh, is probably the the one that comes off worse. She she gets to do a bit of the shouting at Clyde. There's some fun stuff between them in the museum at the start, but um, yeah, she doesn't get a lot to do in this one. But you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say earlier. So that the two performances that gave me the chills was Liz Sladen's reaction to Clyde yes. and Clyde's mum. Rani, she was just more, she was cool, but she was just more of the kind of shouty, uh, you know, and her dad as well. Her dad was buying into it as well. He was, he was quite angry and shouty. So, mm. um, but just going back to how it was resolved just very quickly, I really like the fact that there was a little bit of a, so Phil Ford could have written this in exactly the same way as some other Sarah Jane or some Doctor Who episodes where you get to the end and it's like, oh, okay, that was resolved fairly quickly. Sort of the ending came out of nowhere almost and was yeah. wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end rather quickly. But there was one th element to this which I really liked and that is Liz, um, So, sorry, Sarah Jane, Rani and Clyde's mum. They found themselves just in floods of tears and they couldn't explain why. So that, to me, that was a cool little thing about, okay, they, they're, they're clearly not 100% shut off to something not being right, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and I think just because the curse had warped their mind and they just, you know, anger kicked in to try and force Clyde out of their minds almost. I think those moments where they're by themselves and they're just in floods of tears because they feel like they've lost something really special. That's what, I think that's how they described it. Yeah. So for me, that was the the another little like little step up, if you like, throughout the two parts as you get to the the ending bit um, that played into that because they do reference. So as they get back to it, Sarah Jane and Rani are like, "Have you felt this recently? Yeah, like you've lost something, and I can't explain it, but I'm in floods of tears, kind of thing." They, they did that at little moments throughout the story. So instead of just at the end, Sky saying, you guys are upset and you don't know why, but let's just say, you know, it was like, okay, we can tell that throughout the story, those little things were happening. So I really like that because otherwise I feel like it would have been a little bit of a rushed sort of out of nowhere ending where Sky just all of a sudden light bulb moment, you know, you guys do this and they're like, oh yeah, let's do that. It, yes you know, yeah do you know what i mean it was more of a, a those little bits built up to it which i thought was really good yeah no it's cool because it adds another element to it doesn't it like it's one thing for them to sort of 
hate Clyde, but there's something blocking. They don't really know why, but because of the curse, they don't question it. They just they just know that they hate Clyde. And Sky's constantly saying, "But why do you hate him?" And they, but they can't get past that block. They're just like, just don't mention his name. Stop talking about him. So that then to, adds another element in that it there is something still bugging them in their mind because they're getting emotional. But again, they don't know why, and it just adds another sort of um, element, if you like, to the curse. It makes it a bit more believable. You know, it's almost like their brain is trying to fight the curse because they're getting emotional. Um, yeah, and again, it's just a, a very nice bit of writing by Phil Ford. It just makes it a bit more uh, rounded as a concept. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. What did you think to the totem pole thing then? So when Clyde touches it, he gets the splinter, which is kind of funny, I guess, you know, because they're all just, oh, don't be a baby. You've just got a splinter sort of thing. But yeah, we know as the viewer, like, oh, this is the start of something pretty bad and then the actual visual totem pole wasn't too bad i i yeah i really liked it um <laughs> that when it was going mad at the end i know the effects maybe weren't the best but they certainly weren't the worst um when the it's just a very simple like the mouth go rah, rah. <laughs> I, I thought it was really good it because it, it looks so evil it didn't it the, the totem pole itself just looked quite creepy <laughs> the angry faces um I, I liked it. Uh, as I said, it may not have been the best special effects, but I really liked it. But that said, the the effect of Clyde's name lighting up, and especially when you see it in someone's eye, it's a couple of shots where you see his name sort of in flames in someone's vision, isn't there? Mm. Really lovely effects, that. So, so, you know, I think the effects stand up pretty well. But I liked the turn pole. I thought that the evil faces going crazy at the end, it kind of um, uh, made me laugh. I was thinking, oh, look out. Here it comes, sort of thing. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was cool. I like that the, because it kind of morphed, didn't it, towards the end of the story to be just these scary faces with the red eyes and they're like, yeah. I, I like that we got to that point later on in the story because if they'd have done that at the beginning, it's almost one of those things where, you know, in a story when you're watching a film or a TV show and you can tell that the prop or whatever it is looks really creepy. And you know that something bad or evil is going to happen. But yet the the stars, the, the actors, you know, the way it's been written, they're just interacting with it like it's nothing. Whereas yeah. I, I like the, the totem pole that ha as you see it first up and throughout the first or the two thirds of the story, it does just look like, you know, an old um, sort of Native American thing. You know, it looks like as it should look in a Native American exhibition in a museum, which is cool. Because I think if it had have looked like it did at the end, at the beginning, then it would have been more... Too obvious. Too obvious, exactly, yeah. yeah it would have yeah. been like, don't go near it, don't go near it. You can tell a mile off it looks really evil. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool, though. Kind of cool little prop. Light design. I think that the pacing of this this two-part is pretty good as well. I The only thing I would say, and I did make a note of... Um, it's probably that the cliffhanger to the first episode is probably one of the weakest cliffhangers we've had in Sarah Jane. It was quite, it, it kind of just, she goes, come with me. Um, Ellie goes, come with me, takes Clyde's hand and they walk off and the credits rolled. And I thought, Oh, that's because normally Sarah Jane, normally the cliffhanger to episode one will always have a big build up music crashing and banging and and it ends and you're like oh wow it's straight on to the next one I, ju I was just surprised how flat the cliffhanger was and it's mm. it's a shame for such a good story because as i said the actual pacing of the story is really good it just felt like yeah it just felt like it didn't have a sort of midway mm. point that sarah jane normally does 
Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, the other thing as well, it had this weird kind of um, breaking the fourth wall thing at the very beginning as well. So after Clyde does his normal intro, this is Bannerman Road. And this is where, yeah. Sarah, you know, after we have that bit, he's sitting in the rain, doesn't he? And he's talking to the camera. And he's like, where were you the day of the storm with the fish? Oh, yeah. I and, stuff. That. yeah. and I think it was later revealed that he was talking to Ellie at that point. But it looks like he's talking to the viewer. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, I like really it, picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like another fourth wall thing, but they kind of explained it away at some point and said he was talking to Ellie. But yeah, the, the cliffhanger is weird because it's they're both they're both very um, downbeat. So the opening to the story is very, you know, it's quite depressing in a way. And then the the cliffhanger—it's not really a cliffhanger though, is it? It's just no. A, yeah, I know what you mean. It's just a, quite unusual for Sarah Jane, isn't it? Normally, it's all all banging and crashing and uh, what, how we're going to get out of this sort of thing. Um, but that's okay. It's, it's good to have something different. Um, did Was Clyde reading, you know, he's doing his comic at the start. Yeah. He's drawing his comic, but he's actually hidden it under a book. Mm-hmm. I think the book he's hidden it in is the French Revolution book. Yes, it which is. is a bit, which is a bit of a throwback to um, Unearthly Child, isn't it? So again, uh, just a re- blink and you'll miss it. But I just love the fact that Sarah Jane always does this, throws in these lovely little nods to, you know, Doctor Who, uh, which if you pick them up, you pick them up. But if you don't, it doesn't make any difference. But I know, yeah, I thought it was. But again, it was a bit of a blink and you'll miss it moment. But yeah, so it was then. I was right. So I should have gone back and checked, but I didn't. Yeah, no, you're right, dude. Yeah. Uh, the French Revolution, I think, being also part, uh, the first Doctor's favourite period of Earth, I think. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking of books, it's really funny when Sarah Jane's reading the Ealing Echo, the newspaper, the headline is mm. Fish Flingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, uh, expected, I guess, for Sarah Jane. Mm. Um, yeah. And it was cool for comic book fans as well. So Clyde mentions uh, Batman. He mentions Stan Lee. And yeah. Yeah. It's cool for that stuff. Yeah. So there's still some good little, I mean, it is serious. It's more dark in tone it's more serious in tone but there is still these little you know fun moments in it um it's not a it's not a slog is it it's definitely not a you know it's not a depressing episode to watch it's just one that is more dark in tone and pulls at the heartstrings but there's still lovely little moments in it isn't there like the moments we've come to expect from sarah jane sort of thing yes no i agree dude Uh, and then lastly um we had a, a short sort of outing from um from sarah horton she played dr madigan who's in the museum and she she kind of does the exposition stuff for us so instead of sarah jane doing that with mr smith you know it's the 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 curator i guess of the museum she's uh she's telling us about the curse and the totem pole and the native american stuff and you know her tukamek and whatever it's called you know so we're getting that information from her yeah uh, which is kind of cool and um See, I thought in the first 10 minutes, I thought, oh, she'll turn out to be a baddie. You know, like normally <laughs> the sort of the, 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 the traditional Sarah Jane type story is they introduce a character like that and they turn out to be the villain behind the piece. And obviously I've never seen this story before. So, uh, yeah, for the sort of like the, when she's first introduced, I thought, oh, is this, the, is this the villain, is it? You know, and of course she's not at all, is she? It's another sort of doppelganger. She's actually just, uh, she is who she, she is, says she is. She just yeah. works in the museum. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of little bits like that where it it totally goes against what we've seen before in Sarah Jane, which is which is absolutely brilliant. This is why the show is still fresh, and you know, in series what are we now five, 
mm-hmm. series five. And uh, I know we're coming to the end of, of Sarah Jane. Um, we've only got one story left, but I, I, to me, it still feels like there's so much life left in this series. It doesn't feel to me like they're running out of ideas or they're recycling old, old ideas. It still feels like they're just trying new things. And, you know, it's, it has got a different tone to what we've seen before. Um, and all the better for it, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with that, dude. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's reached, you know, like with some TV shows, it does feel like it's come to the end of its life. And, uh, or maybe even before that, there are some TV series where you think, you know, they probably should have stopped, you know, one or two seasons before where we are now. But it doesn't yeah. feel like that with this. It does feel like there's genuinely probably another two or three series could have been um, in it. So, yeah, man, I agree. Uh, yeah. And then music-wise, uh, not too bad with the music. Uh, nothing stood out to me, but it, was, it wasn't terrible. It was just expected, sort of Sam Watts doing the usual um, sort of atmospheric stuff. And, yeah, so nothing crazy there, but not too bad. No, yeah, no, I liked the music in it. It definitely um, works for the story like i said that my heartstrings are pulled at the right places and i think the music helped with that um but yeah no nothing really stood out it was amazing but it was good mm. yeah good music yeah okay i've got nothing else on my notes dude have you got anything um, else just have a look no, i'm just laughing because i've got mystic mags written in big letters for some <laughs> bizarre reason and she's only in it for such a small scene as well i don't know why i wrote her name down um i think it's just because i like it when we get characters like that introduced that just bar me one off characters a bit like that it was that guy in the other episode when sarah jane said she'd fix his television or something that oh, you know yeah yeah the, just get these yeah. odd little characters <laughs> that they throw in and i really love that um but no i don't think i've got anything else to add really particularly okay i think it's you to go first for scores yeah i'm going to give it um an eight out of ten um but that's a strong eight out of ten i i, I thought it was really good um i'm only really knocking a point off and stuff but for the cliffhanger, which I thought was weak. Um, and that's, that's really the only downside, actually. I can't, can't really think of anything else that I thought, you know, was bad, but uh, yeah, it's a good one. Eight out of 10. Okay, cool. I'm going to go with an 8.5. Oh, I'm going to give it a 0.5 as well then. <laughs> cause I was, I was having an R in weather too. Cause I was thinking, what am I knocking two points off for? Go on then. I'll, I'll join you. Oh, 8.5. <laughs> i knew you would i was thinking will he give it that point five? yeah i was thinking of giving it a nine mm. but then i thought well i've rated other stories a nine or 9.5 that are a bit stronger than this one so it wouldn't make sense to do that but to be honest with you dude most of that score is daniel anthony for me mm. most of that score is for that and then uh the rest of it is for lily loveless i thought those two just had such a good on-screen uh, bond and the chemistry was really good plus uh i just thought from an emotional maturity level it was a great really great um great story really well written and uh, and the other performances as well just banging just was so good to watch so although it wasn't the happiest of stories to watch uh, it was still a, a really really good one really good watch so a strong story i just i just want to quickly echo what you said about daniel Anthony because he is often written as the sort of the light relief in Sarah Jane. And he always does that really well. He always acts that really well. But what, what happens in this is we get to see what a great actor Daniel Anthony really is. Like they give really given him some good meat on the bones to work with in this script. And he absolutely delivers. And, uh, and the same with Lily Loveless. I don't know where she come from. You know, normally when you get a, um, when you get a, a new character introduced, a new actor, 
you know, they, they got to settle in or they might be a bit ropey. She absolutely, it's like she's been in the show forever. Brilliant performance um, from those two. But yeah, the, the whole cast are great, but they definitely stand out. Yeah. So yeah, both really, really good. Agreed, man. Yeah. Defo. Right. What did our awesome listeners think? We had a few in this week, which is good. Ooh. Let's kick off with our usual from Down Under, Sammy Satine. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, the curse of Clyde Langer. It was meh. I'd forgotten the whole raining fish thing, but really. A cursed totem pole gives Clyde a splinter, so then everyone hates him? Really? These guys I know can come up with more interesting storylines than this. It bugs me that this is second last SJA story, and it's a fizzer. I give it 4 out of 10. See ya. A fizzer, says Sammy. Sammy, not feeling it. Oh dear, Sammy. You're not feeling it at all. Wowzers. Yeah, Mm. a fizzer, says Sammy. Thank you very much for your opinion, though, Sammy. It's all good. Moving on, this is Joe Turner. The Curse of Clyde Lager is a fantastic piece of television. Daniel Anthony has to be commended. His performance was so mature and genuine, he was able to provoke such empathy from the audience, and it has to be his best performance in SJA. I love how it also raises awareness about homelessness, and that actually, we should seek to help the homeless, rather than just ignore them. The quote at the end by Sarah Jane epitomises that when she says, The most alien world of all is right here, and no one knows because they don't want to and the way they emphasised it was beautifully done. The music score throughout was amazing, and marked the tonal shift when someone said Clyde's name really well. The atmosphere was so bleak, yet there was still a hint of optimism shown through his relationship with Ellie Faber, who I also thought was, a really, was really well cast. Finally, I found a performance by Sarah, Rani and Clyde's mum to be fantastically evil, and it made me uncomfortable for Clyde, which is good. The bit that got me was when the police turn up at his house and his mum says, he's through there. All in all, this is definitely an episode which defies the definition of a children's TV show, and it wouldn't look out of place on BBC One. Also, the Totem Ball was a good villain overall. Therefore, I'm going to give this episode a 9.5 out of 10. Thank you. Nine and a half. Nice. Nine and a half. And Joe does make a very good point about the music, because um, we said it was you know just okay, but actually he's right. When Clyde's name is mentioned, there is like this sting, isn't there, that really sort of brings that home so yeah he's, he's got a good point the music was good in those parts yeah yeah and that scene was that was hard as well when the police turn up and his mum just oh i know, you know yeah he's through there oh that yeah. curse it just yeah ah <laughs> oh, dear thank you very much joe good score as well 9.5 thank you very much for that and lastly this is tardisnet 66 this will be my second massively highly rated review in a row because i love this story it's clear the highlight of Series 5 of the Sarah Jane Adventures and a brilliant story. I think out of all of Sarah Jane's companions, Clyde is the best and most well-developed, as he is brilliantly challenged in this story. It's a breathtakingly tragic story to see all of his friends and everyone he loves turn against him due to this alien curse. It also shines a light on the widespread issues of homelessness and how very normal and successful people can end up on the street in a bad situation. And his very emotional story, seeing Clyde in the end stand up against the totem pole, it also has great tragedy as Ellie thought Clyde had abandoned her, so it has a very emotional ending. My main complaint is that although I bought the friendship between Clyde and Ellie, I didn't buy the romance and found it very undeveloped. I'd give it a 9 out of 10. A 9? 9, didn't buy the right. See, I think I just so wanted... 
there to be a Roma 2 Clyde that yeah. I did buy it. <laughs> uh, agreed, man. Yeah, thank you very much, Tardis. And agree with you, it is a very emotional story. Defo. A good score, another good one, a nine. So thank you very much, guys, for your audio reviews. Let's go through the socials. We had a few over on Twitter. A writer, jo- a writer Jordan says, it's a good one, not one I necessarily go back to watch, but one I'm happy to sit through. Daniel Anthony is amazing here, and I believe the episode rightly won awards for its handling of homelessness. Another great example of SJA being more than just a kid's show. Doctor Who Home says, I think this story is an incredible achievement. It balances the mature themes and drama perfectly with Sarah, with the uh, SJA's tone. Daniel Anthony uh, gives an incredible performance, and I'm so glad this story wasn't lost to time like some of Series 5. Mm. Uh, incredibly moving, a 9 out of 10. Nine, okay, cool. Chippy T says, I'm getting a bit bored of SJA, to be honest. What? All I seem to write are adjectives like great, exciting, wonderful, marvellous, brilliant. Oh, okay. Haven't, uh, haven't once been able to say didn't like this. For a bit of variety, I want to write must try harder, a phrase I heard a lot in school, a nine. Cool. Uh, so that was, a, that was a, a, a critical review wrapped in some positiveness, I think, Chippy T. Thank you very yeah. much. Sarah Louise, the running Hoovian, says, a beautiful episode in so many ways, fantastic performances from the entire cast, particularly Daniel Anthony. My favourite part being the exchange between Sky and Clyde about giving Ellie the scrounger money because mm. it's probably not her fault, he says. Yeah. Uh, a life lesson right there, nine out of ten. And yep. lastly on Twitter, um, Ty Star says, strong showcase of homelessness. It's very bleak and unsettling with Clyde's curse and Ellie's story. She's the Sally Sparrow of SJA. Interesting. Interesting. Daniel Anton's acting was so great. Sky shines in being the hero too. Aside from the curse being broken too easily, the episode is solid. We were so lucky to get it. Yes. That we were. And over on Facebook, uh, short and sweet from Chloe Anderson. She just says, love it. Kev Mullen, remarkably adult storytelling with some brilliant acting from Daniel Anthony, a 10 out of 10. Aaron Ball says, really adult story for a kid series. A lot of good moments for Clyde and deals with homelessness in typical Doctor Who fashion. Really good 10 Sarah Janes out of 10. And lastly, Joseph Howarth says, it's such a fantastic story. I really felt for Clyde when the curse took hold. I liked the character development of him going from this kid who is the class clown to wanting to be a comic book artist in the future. Very well acted, really dark story, one of the best in the show, 9 out of 10. Ooh, nice. A 9, dude. So some really yeah. good scores there. Some overall. top scores, yeah. Apart from Sammy. Apart from Sammy, he's not feeling it, yeah. But overall, the, the scores are 9, dude. Yeah, very cool. Which is good. Uh, rightio, so as I mentioned earlier, we have no show next week, but the week after when we return, we're going to keep the schedule as it is at, at, um, alternating between the various shows. So when we return, dude... What have we got to review then? Yeah, so we'll be back to the Torchwood Hub with an episode called A Day in the Death. A Day in the Death. What a, a strange title. Death. Yeah, so they this, get these titles? Yeah, this must be... Yeah, this, so this is the follow-on, isn't it, for when we did Dead Man Walking? Of course. Yes, right. Of course, so yeah. Is Martha in that one then? Um, She's still lingering around Torchwood? Uh, I think she is, yeah. I think Martha's in yeah. this one. Yeah. Okay. I believe so. So, yeah, back to Torchwood. When we return the week after next, and I think we're going to wrap there, dude, for three eleven. All righty.
thank you very much for coming back and listening to another episode another week at the big blue box podcast that was episode 311 thank you very much for sending in your audio clips your reviews for the curse of clyde langer really high scores we thoroughly enjoyed going through that one which is good sad tear face though that we're nearly at the end of sarah jane but yes next month we will come to that uh next uh, not next week the week after though um when we return it will be torchwood's turn for review so a day and a death so get your dvds blu-rays iplayer fired up whatever you've got and get that watched because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always in the meantime remember to follow us uh, or subscribe on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on if this is your first time listening to us then welcome aboard it's good to have you here if you like the show then uh, give us a follow uh, or whatever um, it'd be good so you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. And if you've got a minute to leave a review or a rating, that would be awesome, either in something like Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. And we've had some really lovely reviews over the last month or two. So thank you very much to those that have left reviews. Uh, Also, check out the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there as well. Plus, you can check out the articles and reviews from the writing team. Get stuck into all of that. We're on the socials too. Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Do a search for us or there are links on the website. Come and give us a a like and a follow over there because we chat Doctor Who throughout the week. And we have a free Discord server as well. There's a link on the website to come and sign up to that and come and hang out and chat Doctor Who with lots of other very cool Doctor Who fans. So go and do that. Also, also, remember to check out arguably the best geek channel over on YouTube. It is my co-host channel, The Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag, yes. Go and have a look. Loads of vids on there that I've spent years hours of my life creating and i'm also on all the socials twitter instagram and that old book of face the old book that of no face. one uses anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah go and check out adam's cha- uh, videos over on his channel the geek's handbag get a cup of settle in loads of cool videos there right uh until week after next my name's gary my name's adam and remember uh, hey.